Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Kelly is the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency in Phoenix, Arizona, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. She has a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. She was adopted when she was three days old. She was born to a teen birth mother raised in a closed adoption and reunited with her birth mother in 2007. Our goal with the Birth Mother Matters and Adoption podcast is to spread awareness and education about the beautiful choice that is adoption. I just want to remind the listeners that today's podcast is concerning abortion and that the thoughts and opinions that are expressed on this show today are those of me and Kelly and don't reflect necessarily those of Building Arizona families, its staff, or employees. All right. So today... I woke up, as I'm sure you did, um, with some incredible news regarding the verdict that was released by the U.S. Supreme Court, and never in my lifetime did I think this would happen. And I want to talk about that today, and I want to talk about its correlation you know, with adoptions and what that's going to look like, Or and this is just a prediction, because again, until it comes down, and if there's appeal, if there's an appeal, what that will look like and how that will impact adoptions. But today, I really want to focus on what happens next. But let's, let's take a step back and look at what has happened. This is from an article on azcentral.com by Ray Stern called Roe v. Wade has been overturned. What is the law for abortion in Arizona now? The U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization overturned Roe v. Wade and allows states to set their own course on abortion laws. So what does that mean for Arizona now? Uncertainty, at least at first. Expect an immediate challenge to the state's anti-abortion laws and a direct or implied threat of prosecution for abortion providers, several experts told the Arizona Republic. They pose the most likely scenario as an initial fight to determine which of the two anti-abortion laws, one 158 years old and another brand new, will take precedence. The old law, created in Arizona's territorial days, is a strict ban on providing or helping to provide an abortion, except to save the mother's life. It calls for a mandatory prison sentence of two to five years for violators. Republicans in the state legislature passed a new anti-abortion law this year. Governor Doug Ducey signed it into law in March, scheduled to take effect 90 days after the legislature adjourns its current session, something that may happen by the end of June. It bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, except if necessary to save the mother's life. Violating physicians face potential felony charges and a loss of their professional licenses. The state court system, likely the Arizona Supreme Court, will be needed to settle the issue as women seeking abortions and abortion service providers wait for guidance. The impact is still unclear for now. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling Friday overturned the constitutional right to abortion established with its 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, allowing states to set their own policies. It also overturns the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision that allowed states to set rules based on viability. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives, the ruling states. 
U.S. Supreme Court judgments take effect 25 days after a judgment is issued, giving the losing party time to file a petition for a rehearing. Such petitions are rarely granted, but the interim period could give Arizonans time to evaluate their next steps. Before the Supreme Court's ruling, opinions were mixed on which of the two states' laws would prevail. Brittany Thompson, a spokeswoman with the Arizona Attorney General's office, said on June 16th, once the U.S. Supreme Court provides new clarity or guidelines, we will commence a formal legal analysis for Arizona. The office wouldn't describe what the scope of the analysis would be. Statements released by Attorney General Mark Burnovich after the ruling emphasized his anti-abortion sentiment. He said attorneys general have a solemn responsibility to defend the most vulnerable among us, and that's exactly what we did today, Burnovich wrote. I look forward to seeing the issue return to the elected representatives where it belongs. As Americans, we believe in the dignity and value of every person. Brnovich implied that Arizonans would be governed by the new 15-week law set to take effect 90 days after the legislature ends its current session, likely to happen in the next several days. The Arizona legislature passed an identical law to the one upheld in Dobbs, which will take effect in approximately 90 days, a statement from Brnovich's office on June 24th states. Brnovich noted that he filed an amicus brief in the Dobbs case and that his office has been vigorously defending a law Arizona passed that bans abortions sought because of genetic abnormalities and conveys the same rights that other children have to fetuses. He said he expected to prevail in the case because of Friday's decision. After signing a 15-week abortion ban in March, Ducey told reporters that it— and not the pre-stated ban, would take effect if the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. But he has not clarified why he believes that, nor has he responded to requests for an updated comment. Representatives of Planned Parenthood of Arizona and the American Civil Liberties Union of Arizona said they expect abortions to remain legal and services to continue as normal until the 15-week ban takes effect this fall. Unless, that is, the state takes action to revive the pre-statehood ban. In 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision caused the Arizona Court of Appeals to amend and reverse a 2-1 decision that it had made a few weeks earlier that declared that the laws banning abortions and advertising of abortion or contraceptive services were constitutional. But they are still an Arizona statute, Brittany Fontenot, president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Arizona, Inc., said the group's legal position is that the 1973 action stops the abortion ban from taking effect, meaning that the state would have to act to lift the injunction to enforce it. There's going to be a lot of contradictory actions at the same time, Fontenot said. Before the ruling, we're going to see very little movement to try to ban abortion. Arizona has one of the country's most complex legal landscapes in the aftermath of a row reversal. An average of 35 women a day received abortions in 2020, State Department of Health Services statistics show about 95% of abortions in Arizona that year occurred by or before the 15 weeks of pregnancy. Thank you for, for reading that article. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, what's important is to clarify that this verdict is not stating that abortion is illegal. It is giving the power back to the states to right. make their own decisions. And a lot of, and, you know, if you have to have an abortion in New York, you're going to be able to get an abortion in New York until, I don't know, whatever, the kid's 21 or whatever their law is. But in Alabama, for instance, and possibly in Arizona, I think it'll be a little bit more restricted. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It doesn't outlaw abortion. And I think one thing that we need to make clear as we did, you know, and we will continue to throughout this um, podcast is that these are 
our personal opinions. These are not opinions based from Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency or AC Pregnancy Help. These are our opinions as we see it being members in the adoption community. I have to say again, when I was born, which was very close to the verdict coming out, uh, when Roe v. Wade was was put into place, when that decision was came out, I would not be here, in my opinion, otherwise. And so the fact that in my own lifetime, I was able to see that overturned, just, it's like, it's come full circle. And if my birth mother was still alive and and here today, I would be fascinated as to what her response or opinion would be. I want to quote Ronald Reagan (laughs) when he said, the only people who are pro-choice are those who have already been born. And you know, I know it's not an argument, but it is it, profound. Yeah, it's profound. I I know that you have shared your story over and over again in our podcast, and I commend you and you're my hero for doing so, because oftentimes it is very difficult to open up a closet and, and just let people see what it really looks like. And so I hope you're willing to share and I'm not putting you on the spot. But looking back, looking today and looking forward, how does this impact you? Obviously, I have thought a lot about what happened with me. And for anybody who hasn't heard those episodes, when I was young and not very informed, my first wife, before we were married, she had gotten pregnant. And the first time she had gotten pregnant wasn't mine. It was before we started dating. And... She asked me if I would come along with her to get an abortion. And I think that, you know, because I wanted to be supportive. I, and so I did. I went along and then we were together and she had gotten pregnant again, again, an unplanned pregnancy. And by that time, I guess I had kind of numbed myself to it and thought that this is OK. And since there hasn't gone a day by or a day hasn't gone by where I haven't thought about the child I might've had, or even the children who knows, maybe, you know, the first one with somebody else I would have raised as my own too. And we've talked with my son on this podcast and I'm more proud of him than anything I've ever done in my life. He's an amazing young man. And I think about that loss and what, you know, he could have had an older brother and or sister. And I took that from him. I took a lot from myself by making this decision and and supporting her in her decision. Um, I'm not putting the blame on her. I'm putting it on myself more than anybody because I knew that I didn't feel it was right, but I went along anyway. And yeah, it's it's a loss that I continue to feel. And I hope people understand that, too, that once you get this procedure, it doesn't just go away. There's there's f- lingering feelings maybe for the rest of your life. So it's something to think about before you make that choice. And so today, when this verdict came out, how did that impact you personally? Well, uh, first of all, it it brought back those memories. It brought back my feelings, and it made me wonder 
had things been different when she was pregnant, if I would have made a choice that I would now not regret. And so it gives me hope for the future for kids who don't have that education. Maybe they'll start to get it. And maybe some of the laws in different states around the country will help to impact and let them not live with this kind of regret for the rest of their lives, you know, for the generations now and future. So what I'm taking from what you're saying, and I hope all of our listeners are too, is that you're not solely focusing on the life that is being saved by this decision. You're focusing on the, the woman and the man that Mm -hmm. created this, this baby. Right. And, what the long-term ramifications may or may not be now with this new verdict. And that's really powerful because that's not a common thread when there is a debate. Right. You hear about the baby, the baby whose life will be saved by this. And I agree with all that a hundred percent, but the impact of the other lives around this decision you know, even beyond the baby are they, they are profound and lasting. That is so incredibly powerful. And I hope our, our listeners will take something away from that because, you know, if you turn on the news, you'll see there's a lot of um, talk about rallies and protests and threats to this entity or that entity. And instead of taking a step back, and looking at why the decision was made that it was made, you know, what it really means, giving the power back to the states, protecting the unborn, and in all honesty, protecting those women and men that are parents. Yeah. So, yeah, that is incredible. I'm hoping that this will draw more attention to adoption even if it's not an increase in the adoptive placement numbers, but just normalizing adoption. I think what happened over time with abortion is that abortion for many people became normalized. Mm -hmm. And when it was normalized, it lost its, I don't know if I want to use the word impact or, you know, shock factor or, true definition of what was really happening. But, you know, we've seen study after study of what happens when children play these violent video games and they normalize this, you know, the shooting and the sounds. They they become desensitized to it. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that as a society, many people have become desensitized to the real significant long-term, long-lasting, far-reaching impact of abortion. And oftentimes they say that abortion is good for the health of the woman and the mental health of the woman. And granted, I'm not the woman, but I stand completely opposed to that. I think abortion is just devastating to the mental health of the woman, the man, maybe the family around them. It's it's not helpful. It's not healthy. It's it's far-reaching. It, mm-hmm. it absolutely is. I mean, the net is cast wide. I mean, have with the amount of of children that have been aborted as as babies, you know, have 
maybe one of them was to be the next president of the United States. Maybe that, mm-hmm. that one of them was going to cure cancer. Maybe, you know, there's so many possibilities that we'll never know. Right. And again, I want to, to restate that this is not, this verdict today is not stating that abortion is illegal. It is stating that it's just designating the states to make their own laws. I'm wondering some of the, the things that pop into my head are things like, well, does that mean that people are going to move out of certain states? Because, you know, we've seen that in the past with certain decisions that have have happened. I wonder if big corporations will continue to fund, you know, Planned Parenthood and other conglomerates that support the abortion world because their locations may now be limited as to where they can perform these surgeries. I hope that women that are facing unplanned pregnancies will learn about adoption. And if that's not the road that they want to travel, then maybe there will be more support for them to parent. And maybe the focus in the school system can look at other options like adoption versus, I mean, we learned about abortion in in school. I remember it. Now, maybe that won't be something that is presented. And I think that'll probably depend on the state that you're living in. But I think that, again, normalizing adoption will not only help future generations and increase the the numbers of future generations, Mm -hmm. but I think it will take away, again, more of the stigma of being adopted, as we've seen over the years, that it's definitely decreased. And but it's an amazing and beautiful thing. And the big push, you you see a lot about adoption in the media when a celebrity chooses adoption. And I don't think it should be based upon celebrity status. I think it should just be something that is accepted and promoted and looked upon as an amazing choice. And completely normalized. And I I think, I hope... That Because I know the nation is really divided on a lot of issues, and especially abortion. But I hope that in the long run, this decision to just not give free reign to this kind of thing, I hope that it will be good for the soul of the country. And I hope that people will get more educated about other options, including parenting yourself or maybe having a, a grandparent help you out or uh, yeah, adoption. This is a decision I think is good for the country on the whole and not just because of the adoption industry and us being in it. I just think it's a good decision. I agree. And I hope that those that are not happy with the outcome of the verdict today will really take some time to educate themselves and not just go with a previous opinion or with, the, you know, march with a friend who believes in it you know, take your own beliefs and and found them on what your morals and values really are and make sure that you do your research. Listen to more podcasts. We've talked a lot about what this is really like and why this is so important to us. And, you know, you having experienced the the trauma afterwards of, of a choice that you made years and years, decades ago, mm-hmm. and me most likely having escaped um, the medical procedure of being an abortion, obviously we, we stand firm on our, on our platform. And so I think that this is one of those moments where if people could see that we are just celebrating life and all the possibilities that are yet to come. And, you know, we hoped for this moment and many of us have prayed for it for a long, long time. 
And now that it's here, I hope that those that didn't get the outcome that they were hoping for can at least step back and understand that this is a really big deal. And, you know, I'm sure protests are going to happen and there's nothing we can do about that. Mm-hmm. But continued violence isn't going to help anybody or anything. I think continued education is what everybody needs. I think that both sides need to at least understand the other side and why there's just like you were saying, but you know, so often I feel like I would get shut down if I talked about abortion, because of course I'm a straight white male and I'm trying to control the body of, of women. And I, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm worried about the young women and men who have not been and never will be born because of Roe v. Wade and the ones that will be now, hopefully, because of this decision, as well as, as we stated before, the mental impact of all involved. Yeah. So um, it's a good day. It is a good day. And it's one that will go down in history. I just want to remind you that the uh, thoughts and opinions on today's shows are those of mine and Kelly's, and they don't necessarily reflect those of Building Arizona Families, its staff, or employees. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and tell your friends about us. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.